0: This week, Three Sides of the Coin, we sit down with this really cool KISS nerd, this really cool KISS geek. His name is Dave Ellison, and God, we just talk about nothing but KISS. There's a little Megadeth in there, but it's like hanging out with your KISS buddy that you've known for decades and talking about a banjo. This is
1: Three Sides of the Coin. Talking all things. Kiss. I want
0: to rock and roll all night. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Three Sides of the Coin. Um, boy, this one is an interesting one. It starts with one person. Me only. Mark joins. Then Mark's battery dies. Then Mark comes back. All through the whole thing. We haven't heard a peep from Tommy. So who knows where Ooh. that guy is. Um, so, you know, let's, we won't talk. I know you and Tommy saw, went to the um, Hollywood Bowl. Tommy went to a couple other shows besides that. We won't talk about that now. Let's see if he shows up next week. We can talk about it next week. Um, There's, Okay, I haven't read the full article yet, but Gene has done a new interview talking about how the band KISS might be ending, but the brand will continue. And he mentions something about multiple versions of KISS in different cities around the world that you can go see. It sounds like... Something we looked into a crystal ball and we're just guessing at. Listen, first of all, nobody sit here and go, oh, Three Sides is taking credit for it. We're not taking credit for it. I'm just saying, I can't remember the episode. So if you know what episode we talked about this in, I'm thinking it might be one of the early end of the road related episodes where we talk about how Kiss 2.0, and maybe it's a Kiss 2.0 episode too. I don't know. Where we well, we envisioned that the thing that would be cool is officially endorsed KISS tribute bands of different eras in different regions of the world. One in London, one in Vegas, one in New York, one in Hong Kong, one in Sydney. It's a different version of KISS playing a different show. And they just rotate.
2: Almost like a blue band group, I remember. Is that
0: becoming true? Yeah. yeah. I'm I would be I would be interested in at least checking that out to see how it is. I'm not going to say no to anything without at least seeing what it is. I just find it I find it interesting that a bunch of knuckleheads on a podcast what 4 plus years ago were like, "Oh, that would be an interesting idea." Speaking of, uh, speaking
2: of that, it was nice that our uh our guest commented how feeling 15 again when you get to go see I remember certain podcasts taking some shots because they said they felt like they were 12
0: years old um, you know <laughs> I know it's listen this week we've got a very cool and you'll recognize them guest but we just hang and talk like Kiss fans because he is—he is literally a Kiss fan that grew up the same time us on this show did. We're joined by Dave Ellison, and what what a cool, refreshing conversation! Yeah, there's some there's definitely some Megadeth talk and there's some Metallica talk, but. I think Mark, we pretty much spent the entire episode just talking about Kiss, like a bunch of Kiss nerds. That mm-hmm. and Dave is a Kiss nerd. He's a Kiss geek. He loves it. He loves. Trust them.
2: me, if if because I felt this, I know you did, Mike. Like if if we were in high school together, we would have been friends.
0: <laughs> oh <laughs> <could've>, God, yeah. <laughs> we 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 you know, Dave would have been going to the Kiss shows with us. Exactly.
2: What a great yeah. guy!
0: So. I mean, and and the cool thing for me was Davis from Minnesota. So we 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 kind of all grew up in the same area. He saw shows at the same venues. It's it's very cool. You got to let this roll, Dave Ellison. Stay to the, the end. So
2: visit three sides of the coin dot com. Subscribe on YouTube. Follow and rate us on Spotify.
0: Subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. We appreciate your three time. sides of the coin. I just want to welcome Dave Ellison. I mean, come on. If you don't know who Dave Ellison is, hit the stop button and leave. You shouldn't be watching. I mean, you should know him because he's a huge Kiss fan. And you should know him because he's just got a musical legacy behind him that's incredible. Um, Dave, welcome to Three Sides of the Coin. I don't know why it took us this long to get you on here, but you're here. That's all that matters. Yes
1: well thank you so much for having me michael it's it's a pleasure to be here and um you know as as the end of the road is near um hey maybe it's maybe it's good we waited and now here it is you know now yeah, we've got you a, know, we've got all these years I, you know
0: i will i will share this funny little tidbit before we really get into talking so we used to have a, uh, another co-host on our show, Mitch Lafon, And I'm sure you know who Mitch sure, is. Sure, of
1: course. Love Mitch. Um,
0: yeah. You know, and, and this podcast has been around since 2012. So we're mm-hmm. 11, 11 years we've been doing this. Mitch, mm-hmm. Mitch left the show after the first year. But you might find this kind of funny and ironic. You were kind of in the reason why the split happened. Uh um not not in a bad way not in a bad way at all (laughs) um I'm sure like many podcasts out there the co hosts and we we had three co-hosts and all Mm. over the country all over the world um Mitch was in Canada I'm in California now and Tommy um who is still on the show is um is still in Minnesota we get together before an episode and we would just privately chat about okay what's going on who's coming up for guests and all this sort of stuff and mitch had accidentally double booked two guests for an upcoming episode i mean okay. it, shit happens not a big deal of course. you were one you were wrong you were one of them and god i can't Richie Weiss might have been the second one that he double booked you guys for the same show. No kidding. Is he still alive? I think he's now, I think he's now, I think he's now passed away. This would have been a decade ago. Okay. Got it. Um, But you know, it was like, okay, well, what do we do? We double booked. And I'm like, don't worry Mitch. It's not a big deal. Just call one of the two and move them to a different date. Well, I don't know what happened and we don't need to get into it, but, mitch just like threw a bit quit the show walked off the podcast and it was done and i was just like what the hell's going on here i mean i can tell you this much first of all i love mitch
1: and i can wax philosophic with that guy for hours as well and um but i can pretty i can pretty safely say I'm pretty agreeable to reschedules if it needs to happen. <laughs> Unless I'm on a tour or something, you know, it just can't happen. Yeah. So.
0: I, 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 yeah. I mean, I, it didn't okay. concern me one bit. It's like, listen, these guys have done interviews. Their entire life has been interviews. Totally. Rescheduling interviews happens. It just happens. So when, when we finally got you booked here, I was just like, wow, there's a little bit of finally. flashback history. Dave sure. was not the reason he quit, but was, th- God, was the topic of discussion, yeah. <laughs> was Jesus. the topic of discussion that caused it to happen. So anyway, so I, put that okay, behind good. us. That's Put fine. that behind exactly. us. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let me throw this out. I know you're a Minnesota native. I was born and yes. raised in Minnesota. I yeah. now live out in, in California. Yeah. I'm uh, just north of San Francisco. Okay. And Tommy, who one of our other co-hosts, still lives in um, Prior Lake, mm-hmm. and and our other, our third co-host Mark is in yeah. Detroit. But yeah. yeah, Minnesota native, and it's just like, oh yeah, hey there, how you doing there, eh?
1: So <laughs> it's funny, right? As we were starting, you had mentioned Bloomington, and it's it's so uh, ironic because this T-shirt I'm wearing, which is a Kiss Destroyer T-shirt, that I picked up. At what I, So I saw Kiss on this end-of-the-road tour three times um, just about a week ago out in Palm Desert. I saw them also uh, overseas this summer when I was over in Europe. And then the first time is right as the tour was coming through Phoenix, where I live, uh, they played out in Glendale, which is where I got the shirt. So this would have been probably January, maybe February 2019, right? Right. So I, I go to the merch stand. Where they sell the T-shirts, and I see this T-shirt, I'm like, "Oh fuck yeah! How cool, man! I'll get a, I'll get a Destroyer shirt because Destroyer is the reason we're talking, right? They, they, right. That is that is the, that is the album for me that that got me into this whole mess." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, so I buy the T-shirt. I get the show. I come home the next day. I lay it on my bed, and I'm looking for the tour date, Glendale, Arizona, right? February, whatever. Let's call it right. I'm looking. I'm going. It's not on here. What the hell? And I look up and I see February 6th, uh, Bloomington, Minnesota. I'm like, that's impossible. I think going. I think my show was like February 7th. It's impossible, right. right? So I look at the dates. I go, holy hell! This is the T-shirt from the tour that I saw them on in on the Rock and Roll Over tour in 1977, February 6th. The tour yep. dates are on, on the back. Yep. i would show you. February 6, 1977, Bloomington Met Center. At the Met know. Center, the old, the old Met right, Center. The old Met Center, right next to it, the stadium where the Twins played. Yep. The Met Center survived for quite a bit longer after they then built the, the Humphrey Dome, uh, one of the first big domes in the USA for uh, football. it's where the Vikings and then the Twins would go play. And the Met Center stayed there for many years. I played there a couple times. I played there with Ronnie James Deal. I played there with Iron Maiden back in the uh, in the 80s. And then of course they took all that down and now it's the Mall of America, right? Yeah. Um, yep. But um so it's so funny that I got home and I and I and I this t-shirt is basically a replica of that tour t-shirt. And it's funny, you know, our, uh, my friend Eddie Trunk, who I'm sure you know, because oh, yeah. I'm sure he's been on your show. He's, he's, right been, he's been
0: on the show two or three times as well. Yeah. Great guy. So he
1: and I, I was at Sirius Radio doing an interview with him, and I, I tell him about uh, this T-shirt. <clears throat> and he goes, well, that would have been the Love Gun Tour. I said, no, it, it was Rock and the Lord. Said, no. And, you know, stumped the trunk, right? <laughs> <So>
0: <laughs> I saw the
1: trunk in the lobby. So we had this whole discussion and because from from Destroyer into rock and roll over they made they made Destroyer rock and roll over and love gun in such quick succession i mean literally they put them out yep. almost what 6 months apart right during the course of right. about an 18 month period of 1976 to 1977 and then it was what early 88 or 78 rather when kiss alive 2 came out right so they which is now we know was also kind of a studio album as paul revealed in his book you know, the Kiss Alive 2 record was basically a set list that never existed because they didn't want to replicate any of the songs off Kiss Alive. Um, And so they had to basically, it had to consist of Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over and Love Gun, many songs of which they never played live ever. Um, So they had to create this sort of three-sided live album, hence the fourth side that had the original songs, uh, Rock and Ride and all-American Man and this kind of stuff, right? Um, so that explained a lot. And I, it's funny, I didn't even think about that until I read it in Paul's book that he was he was talking about that. But um, So the discussion that Eddie and I had that was interesting about the show I saw uh, in uh, Bloomington on February 6, 1977. I was 13 years old, by the way. My mother took me, my friend Greg, my brother Elliot, and his friend Mike. Um, what was interesting about that show is it was the only show that Paul Stanley actually wore his uh kiss alive outfit, right? With the star boots, right? right? The boots that had the stars on them, and the the the, you know, the 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 fuzzy the the, the feathers, the manelli, the feather, yeah, the feather armband, and that outfit, and and you know it's so funny thinking back on it. I go, you're right. He did. Was, I don't know why. And you know, it's funny. I should have asked him. Not that he would have remembered. <laughs> uh, you know, I should have asked him a couple weeks ago. But um, you know, he. It, it, I thought that was very interesting that that. And at some point in this transition between Destroyer, um, between Kiss Alive to Destroyer to uh, Rock and Roll Over, Gene Simmons put. A, some studs up on his base up here, right? Mm-hmm. Now, as much as the cover of Kiss Alive is Gene with a Gibson grabber, that was technically the Dress to Kill, or no, and I think that might have even been the Hotter Than Hell tour, uh, which are the photos of Kiss Alive, of Kiss Alive, rather, right? Kiss Alive is, is the Hotter Than Hell tour. Um, the Dress to Kill tour, which ultimately was the Kiss Alive album. Um, is let me show you because I have my, I have my kiss lunch box here so I can show <laughs> you it's <you>. <laughs> <laughs> with the thermos, by the way, uh, is actually, so there's the base that yep. he played at my, at my show in rock and roll over. Um, there is the outfits that Paul wore in in 1977 at my show, right? right? And, um, you know, the rest of it was all... Peter had a new drum kit, different drum kit. They had the two big black cats here. Yep. The drum riser went, you know, 30 feet in the air. Um, the, all of the rest of the set was very different. Um, they didn't have the big stack. So th- technically, this was... Kiss Alive, right? It was this, this, and when I saw the, when I bought the Destroyer songbook and I saw these pictures inside, this was technically the Kiss Alive tour, which would have been the Dress to Kill tour. So the photos we see on Kiss Alive are really from the Hotter Than Hell
0: tour. Um,
1: as far it's, as I know.
0: It's, right? it's, it's really interesting that that whole period from alive through destroyer and especially rock and roll over the Mm -hmm. changes that were happening in the band, not personnel changes, but new Mm -hmm. costumes, new everything were happening so fast that, yeah, I mean, you know, there, there, there's photos now that as a kid thinking back, you know, I, I was, I'm, I'm 59, probably same age as you you know thinking back as a kid if we would have known this back then our heads would have been exploding but now right. it's common to see photos of like oh yeah you know this is they were doing uh, they were recording the 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 choir for destroyer and you start looking at the costume pieces that the band members are wearing in those photos mm-hmm. and they're right. not the destroyer all the destroyer costumes it's it's oh it's the boots from here and it's the pants from here. And and back then that photo existed, but we never were, I don't know. We weren't living for that minutia to go, Oh my God, what's going on here? That's the wrong costume. Now we see that and and we're like, Oh yeah, it makes sense. The costumes (laughs) were probably being made. They weren't ready. They were getting fitted. All of that sort of stuff that we learn now it's so interesting but back then when we were kids man if mm. we would have realized that and understood that back then it would have been you, i i don't ama- i can't un, i can't comprehend what i would have thought as you know a 12 13 year old kid to understand that costumes were being made and they were being designed and they weren't ready yet it's like right. what do you mean don't they just live in those costumes isn't that
1: who they are? <laughs> you know, isn't that funny? It's like, I was thinking about that, you know, and most of you have heard the saying, of course, you know, never meet your heroes. In this case, how awesome to meet your superheroes, right? Because yeah. it is that, right? And, and, it and, is. And and to me, Kiss have always had an aura about them that even when they were didn't have their makeup on, and now when they don't have their makeup on, and we, we know what they look like, of course, that um, they still carry themselves with an air that they're just they're above the normal people. You know what I mean? There's never yep. been just a, a jeans and t-shirts version of Kiss, right? And and yep. they've made that very clear in their books. You know that they wanted everything about the band to harken back to sort of an early Hollywood era when the stars were really stars. You know they were untouchable. You couldn't just get to them. You couldn't just see them hanging out. Um, there was, there was an air that they're, they're a star, you know, and a star doesn't hang out with the common people. Right. Right. And, right, right. and that, and that's, that's, that was what Hollywood sold us. Right. That's what, that's how they created this whole thing of a star, you know, this sort of, uh, idol, uh, you know, idol worship, you know, uh, if you will. Yep. And, and that they went for that on every level, I assume, you know, bill a coin, you know, helped them with that, right. Their first manager, because having sure. the view of looking at everything through the lens of a television screen, which is Bill's background, as I understand, you know, he saw everything about them as that, you know, as, as a Hollywood character rather than a rock and roll character. And, um, and you know, it's funny. And I, I brought this to a lot of people lately, you know, you know, before kiss, you know, Led Zeppelin, the who the drums were on the floor. Once kiss showed up, we all have drum risers drum risers. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you know, the picks on the microphone stand, you know, that was, that's a, you know, even then of course, Rick Nielsen would soon adapt that, you know, throwing picks out, having them on the mic stand. Um, You know, the, The the like the wall of Marshall likes you know that's not just a that's not just a bunch of amps like that's a bitching row of Marshalls right with this sort of you know this sort of whatever it was metal or some sort of a, a material that 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 outlined it in white you know to make it really stand out everything very congruent consistent. If there was six marshals on this side, there were six bass bins on that side, you know, and everything kind of had the same height, the same, very, very symmetrical in in their look. And it was very funny because, you know, Megadeth, of course, we would do the same um, as most metal bands do. Um, You know, we didn't have keyboards. We had, you know, this very kind of congruent look. And it's funny when Megadeth, we did some shows with Aerosmith back in 1993 and they're very not congruent like joe perry has like his entire world over here of all these boutique amps and all this stuff then there's a drum kit, and then the other side is tom hamilton and brad whitford but it's 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 offset it's not it's not dead center drum set everything's kind of offset it's in a little bit of an amphitheater type type band shell so you know it's hard to set megadeth up Inside of that stage, which was very symmetrical, very, you know, we wanted the same stage depth, you know, you know what I mean? It was just it was just a different thing. So, um, you know, that's a, a, a vibe we got from Kiss, you know, that is is uh, everything was very, um, you know, symmetrical. You know, that that's a big that's a big part of of what we learned from them. And I'll say this, you know, I will always be a student of Kiss. You know, to me, you know, as I was getting my first little Cessna, if you will, learning how to, you know, play the bass, how you know, how does an airplane fly? My glider, right? Yep. A paper, yep. paper glider, then a Cessna, and then you know, you know, Kiss. When I went to see them in 1977, I mean, that was a roaring jumbo jet, man. And I was like, how the hell does this thing get off the ground? How does this fly? And I'll say, you know, I've spent my entire career studying how does this thing fly? How does this work? You know? And, you know, when I saw them and we've done shows with them, you know, we stood in their stages and played and um, you know, so now, now I know, right. I, I know how this works and they just have a lot more bells and whistles than the rest of us. But, you know, now I know how they do it and how it works. And, you know, I'll say this, the times that we've played shows with them, you know, there's these parts of the stage, which of course are off limits, to the support bands because that's all their hydraulics and, you know, various platforms and stuff. But, you know, for the most part, they give you the the support act, the whole stage, the Megadeth kiss shows were always great. The fan fans were the same, you know, just like when Megadeth would play with Iron Maiden or Metallica or whatever, you know, it's the same, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's the same fan, you know what I mean? So the show is consistent. Right. Um, and, you know, it's funny when you, you know, standing, I of course, I'd be in stage right, I'd stand where you know, and I mean, it was this call home to mom moment. I'm going, fucking, can you believe it, dude, I'm standing where the God this of Thunder is. This is, this is where know, he's going to be standing. In an hour, he's going to be here. There's going to be blood and fire and all kinds of awesome shit going on up here. And the stages were always carpeted. And, uh, you know, real cool. But, uh, you know, then you go over to stage left and those are all the people in the Paul makeup in the state. Cause they're right in front of me would be all the people in the gene makeup, right? right? Cause the fans of course come dressed as, or at least makeup on. And in the middle was the sort of ACE, you know, um, you know, makeup and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it was, it's, it's very cool, man. It's, it was, it was, a, it was great to, and even when I would play the Met center, as I mentioned with Ronnie James Dio and, um, you know, with Iron Maiden in the eighties before they tore it down, um, you know, to stand on that stage and go, God, man, I've seen kiss here. I've seen Iron Maiden here. You know, I've seen, you know, so many Frank Marino angel, all these great groups that I grew up. So, you know, with Kiss is, is the same thing, you know, it's, uh, um, and even when I saw him a couple weeks ago, you know, I'm studying everything about it. They're just going, okay, I see how that works, how that works, and that goes up, and this comes down, and the fire here. And you know, here's a funny thing. I was just listening to Destroyer the other day. You know, all of their songs, especially by the time they got to Destroyer, it's like all their songs are written for Pyro, right? Like, you know, Detroit Wreck City, da 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 build up. Right. You know, you can almost hear on the record where the pyro is going to be live. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, King of the Nighttime World, you know, God of Thunder whatever. It's like, you know, you can they have these dramatic uh, transitions in the songs that are there's They're just they're stage ready. So to me, it's almost like as they got into especially Destroyer onward, it's like they it's almost like they had they, their records were produced as as almost like this. A theatrical backdrop to what the show was becoming um and i'm i'm sure on some level they were were aware of that they were cognizant of that you know so you know
0: the the pre- obviously the presentation has always been important to kiss mm. e- you yeah. know sometimes more so than the actual Performance itself, meaning, you know, Gene is Gene's been one who's always said it's not how great you play on stage, it's how great you look playing on stage. Totally. You know, you know, if you if you break a string or trip on stage, don't act like that was a mistake. Act like that was part of the show. It's the presentation. And and I've always looked at it that way. It's like that's that's a true professional. When you can play through shit that goes wrong on stage and you know you would know better than anybody shit will always go wrong on stage no matter how well Well, you plan and practice it will happen how you carry yourself when that happens is the difference between an amateur and a professional
1: right well look agreed 100 percent. and that's you know i i've managed a group that was that went through school of rock and uh we did a show it was actually a showcase in la and the pa wasn't working and then this stopped and the mic fell over and the guitar string broke they kept playing and they said they said one of the first things they taught us at school of rock is don't ever stop keep playing no matter what you know what i mean and and you know it is it's it's you know it's one thing to go to school or grow up learning to be a musician but when you get on stage Sure, you're a musician, but you are now in—you're an entertainer, right? Even if you just stand there and just play amazingly well, and that's entertaining, you know, your performance is—is is the entertainment, right? And of course, as Kiss, it's so much more—it's lights and bombs and fire and moving hydraulics, and it's—it's it's everything, right? But the—you know—I—I've said the same thing to so many musicians that when something you can tell a real professional versus someone who's maybe kind of a weekend warrior or a hobbyist. The hobbyist is something goes wrong, they immediately do this. They knee jerk and they look, which is a right. dead giveaway that something went wrong, right? If if you play through the flub up um you know and and cover it, you know, and then don't pay any don't make any sort of physical gesture toward that You know, that's when you sort of get away with it. You know what I mean? Because we're all human. You know, we're all human. We're all going to flub up and make mistakes. And some nights it's just perfect. Other nights it isn't. I mean, that's just called being human, right? And I think what we pay for is the humanness. You know, we didn't pay to to go see a recording. We, we, We listen to the recording at home. We go see the performance, right? And all of its flaws and all of its spectacularness, you know? Um, and, and Kiss certainly taught us that, that, um, and and I was talking with Alice Cooper about that one time we were on tour together in South America and we were talking about the guillotine and, you know, the hanging himself and all of his, obviously, even before Kiss, the spectacular show he had, and he, he was telling me, he said, you know, a lot of this stuff, it's like this old vaudeville trick. Fly to hand, you know, you're looking over here watching this, meanwhile over here, you know, they're ready to chop a head off, and right before they do, there's like, oh, so you look over here, the head's on, you look back, oh, the head's already off, you know what I mean, and I even at his show, um, I, I just went to it, you know, a few weeks back, and, and during the guillotine, I was in the perfect position on the side of the stage to see how it was going to happen. And I'm going, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. again, again, I've been on tour with Alice for years. I've seen many of his shows just at festivals. And I said, I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it. Well, sure enough, he's got Cheryl, his wife over there, who's a dancer in the show, this spectacular beautifully colored dress she's performing she's still so for that one second your eye goes to her they drop the thing and his head chops off so when you look back like oh my god i missed it and and it's exactly what alice said it's this vaudeville slide of hand like hey da, 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 meanwhile over here a head's getting hacked off you know and and there's so much of that. Um, you know, in, in real theatrical performance. And another thing that I that I remember Paul saying in and maybe in his book or something or in an interview, you know, he said, you know, you're not gonna remember the entire show. There's no way in two hours, you're not gonna mentally snapshot right. that entire show, you're gonna remember moments. So I think to his point, what he was saying is is our job is to create moments that you will remember right? Paul flies out to the audience. I'm coming out to see you, you know, he (laughs) flies out, right? Gene breeze fire, you know, the drum solo and the riser, you know, there's these moments that you remember. Um, and if you think about a kiss concert, you know, you will recall, you know, a dozen, maybe a couple of dozen moments. Oh, then they, then they did this and then Tommy did that. And then Gene did this. And, you know, whatever it is. Right. But you're not going to re- You're not going to recall to your buddies, you know, every second, every moments of uh, it's impossible, right. To, to do that. our we're, we're not capable of that. So their showmanship plays to the limitation of human, you know, what we see here, you know, what our senses are. Oh yeah. Are, yeah. What,
0: what, what, what we believe, you know, speaking of moments and, and real quick, Dave meet, Meet Mark, Mark, meet Dave. Mark's in Detroit. Um, did you by chance go see Kiss on the Creatures of the Night tour at the Met Center?
2: I did not. I will say for one second, I did see Metallica last week though. So I, 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 I know ahead. I was I, I wanted it, you know, obviously I got caught up at work and family stuff and I had a bunch of my friends because I went to both shows. I, you did too, if I remember. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And I had a number of my friends like fuck Dave's here, Dave you know Dave Elson's there. and yeah, I'm like yeah. fuck he's going to be on this show this week. I'm and they're like you standing by this one pillar by. And I'm like and I, as you saw, And now yeah. keep in mind, um, I, I I was a Lions season ticket holder for almost 20 years, and I've seen right. the Stones at there, and I've seen ACDC there. I've never seen Ford Field with that many people in it yeah it's um, amazing isn't it it was it was yeah. insane so my friends are like oh you know dave's and i'm like there's just no fucking way i'm gonna find him." yeah so no I'm, it, I'm was, like, it was <laughs> yeah no it was
1: it was great i mean hey i'm a metallica fan too you know i'm a fan of a lot of bands of a lot of music of course i'm i call myself a a friend fan you know um because i'm friends first with a lot of people you know ghost metallica uh alice cooper etc it's like i've I've become you know either friends per professional friends contemporaries with them and i'm a fan of their work you know so um and you know i mean it's it's funny because ghost is another band that fits right in with the alice cooper kiss you know mindset in fact i would say the ghost show you know, out of all the shows I've seen this year, and there are many, and, and they've all had their 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 moments that were great. Even you know, Night Ranger, uh, the Cults, you know, bands that that are energy performance and moody and vibey, not sort of theatrical performance. You know, and they all have a have a place too. Um, you know, you know, Ghosts as and I've seen Tobias say it in interviews, you know, without Alice Cooper, like none of this happens, you know what I mean? Like he is the reason Ghost, you know, had a path, you know, to see that, Oh, one guy can lead the show, be this sort of, you know, the, the, the minstrel, if you will, you know, they sort of the the master of the ceremony and, and lead the show. And so, you know, there's, there's kind of him and Alice where there's sort of this protagonist who is the character. Right. Um, and then, you know, uh, Kiss, um, you know, where there's like four Alice Coopers on stage, right? Where right. each person is doing, you know, and I tell you, that's hard because every band, as we know, um, you know, every, and, you know, you use the Beatles just to, because Gene and Paul, they've always given, you know, their homage to the Beatles. And, you know, for me, probably for us, on here, age 59, you know. Kiss are my Beatles, you know. Yeah, um, I I got into a big argument with Mark uh, Hudson about this on a rock and roll fantasy camp because he is a mm. massive Beatles fan, right? Yeah. And we were we were doing a rock and roll fantasy camp out in uh, Hawaii, right? It was a corporate then. And, and um so I, you know, so there's Elliot Easton. I'm a huge hey Dave fan for our him. audience.
2: Could you could you just because Mike and I know who Mr. Mark Hudson is? Could you just explain? Yeah. Okay, what, so, there's, so there's a well, lot Mark of kids H- who won't know. H- him.
1: Sure. So Mark, Mark Hudson for me when I was a kid there was a TV show called The Hudson Brothers right and so he was uh one of the 3 uh on there um and uh, his daughter uh you know Kate Hudson is Bill is it Bill Hudson is that his brother that's his daughter I believe right right is not is not right Kate Hudson the, the yeah. lovely actress right so so Mark Hudson, who I think was the youngest of the three brothers, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, he uh, is a musician. Went on to write the song "Living on the Edge" for Aerosmith, um, yeah. as well as other things. So he's had an incredible career. Very colorful, very funny character, and he and has become a literally dear
0: colorful. Yes. Colorful. Oh, I <laughs> mean, red hair, hair the whole know. yeah, the suit, purple yeah, beard, everything. Yeah. Yes,
1: I mean this guy is born for show business and funny as hell. Well, we're doing this corporate gig, this rock and roll fantasy camp, and Bruce Keelick is there um, and uh, kind of giving me pointers about sort of the rolling baseline of uh, rock and roll all nights, you know, kind of some geneisms and stuff. And I'm like, that's cool. I've, I've always opened to how does Gene play the part, right? Um, and, um, but so, you know, uh, Ke- or, um, uh, Kelly Keige, this is drummer from Night Ranger. And it's kind of like the it's kind of like the uh, Ringo Starr All Star Tour, right? So yep. I play a Megadeth song, um, Kelly. We play a Night Ranger song for Elliot. We play a Cars song. Uh, Bruce is there, so we uh, Bruce Kulick from formerly of Kiss. So we play a Kiss song. So we you know we kind of go around the horn and play one of each of each other's songs, right? And um, so as the night goes on there's sort of it turns into a a a jam like kind of a jam and mark's calling the tunes well now mark's probably at least 10 years older than me right at least maybe 15. so his 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 archive of music to play whereas i would play kiss judas priest iron maiden motorhead you know metallica Megadeth. um you know he's way farther back he's the beatles the beatles the beatles you know, MG in the book, or you know, MG Booker, or what, whatever. And T- MG. T- yeah, yeah, M.G., exactly. Uh, yeah. What What is it? M- MG Booker G- T and G- the MGs. That's right. Yeah, book, Booker T and the MGs. Thank you. Um, and you know, this this school of music, right? That uh, for for him. So I'm 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 dumbfounded. I'm like going, man. I mean, I've heard these songs on the radio, and I can kind of fake my way through a lot of stuff on the stage if I need to. But like, this is i have been over my head. I, Bruce, I look over. Bruce, wa- Bruce Kulik walks out on stage. He goes, "Give me the bass. I'll take it from here. I'll get us through this, right?" So I literally give Bruce the bass because Bruce is, you know, older than me and he knows these songs. And so he's up there playing my bass, and I'm just standing on the side, going, "Well, aren't I? Didn't I get schooled? Aren't I the dumb punk?" Kid, you know. And, uh, and I'm me on stage and Mark Hutchins screaming at me, you need to get your rock and roll book together, kid. Get it together. Da, 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 da. And and I in my mind, I'm like, fuck you. You know, I'm fucking kisses my Beatles, and you know, da da da. da. <laughs> you know, and and but 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 it 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 you know, look, first of all, then before we did the big tour together, the rock and roll fantasy camp tour together with King's and Extreme, I did a go home and learn a bunch of Beatles stuff. I thought, look, I'm gonna be on a tour. Now I kind of know what I'm up against. Mark's going to be calling some tunes. I better get some of his repertoire together. So I, I did my part. I stepped up and I learned my part. Um, but, you know, it, it, it. and I've had many conversations with, with Mark about that. I said, Mark, you got to realize, dude, you know, I was born in 64, dude. That was like when the Beatles came out. So I missed it all, right? So by the time I'm starting yep. to, you know, early 70s, 70s, 70, '71. You know, the Beatles were done. I mean, it was it was over. I'm here in Motown. I'm here in Neil Diamond um, on the radio and the school bus. uh, We used to listen to WLS. WLS If there was something
0: Beatles related, it was probably Paul McCartney and Wings. It wasn't the Beatles. Uh, dude
1: dude totally I mean you're my age right so yeah, my yep. Beatles was was Wings Over America it was Paul mm-hmm. McCartney and Wings and maybe you know my guitar gently weeps. I'd hear a little and yeah, it's funny some of my favorite my favorite Beatles songs are are ones Ringo sings <laughs> which I probably be castrated for that right I love Ringo Ringo's one of my favorite Beatles now, in the Beatles, he was a you know kind of a you know uh, a, a background player as far as he wasn't the writer, he wasn't that. Um, but you know he was you know again he was given his place. And so I guess where I'm going with this is even as you look at the Beatles, you know Paul, uh, they're the front line, of course. Paul um, and John were you know because they were listed as the writers, the main singers. Uh, George singing a lot, so that put him on the front line. And and Ringo would would sing a bit, too. But, you know, not in the way, you know, so Kiss very much copied that, right? And it's interesting that, you know, as we read the Ace Frehley books, that how he talks about how, you know, he would write songs like "Cold Gin, one of the most famous Ace songs in the Kiss repertoire, period. But he was too shy to sing it. And so Gene sings it, you know, and it, it's it's this and it's it's kind of like if you're gonna be in a bar band and play a kiss
2: song, you'll probably play cold gin. Um it's one Gene claims one of those- he wrote that break in the da, da-na, da-na, you know, the the middle break. Gene claims that he and, and I have nothing to you know, he may yeah. have, he may have not. He may but, have, yeah. Yeah. But uh well you're right, yeah, it's and it's so a perfect one.
1: You know, it's, and it's funny, as a kid growing up, I mean, being the big Kiss fan that I was, I mean, there was a year, year and a half there that I didn't listen to anything but Kiss. You know, it wasn't until, like, finally, like, the Boston album came out in, you know, what, seventy seven, seventy eight. uh Van Halen 1 came out in 78, for sure. And then some other big records started falling into my turntable that... I started to expand my my repertoire from Kiss, 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 Kiss to like okay, I'll start listening to this stuff, you know. So, I, I um, you know, I started to expand and and listen to you know more stuff. But you know, so I get Beatlemania because I had Kissmania, you know. When I saw Kiss on the Paul Lynn Halloween special, that was the same as when people saw the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan Show. Um, I, it I've, I've said the same. same I said
0: the same thing many times. I, you know, I was. I remember being that little kid, what yep. twelve, twelve years old in the living room totally. floor watching the Paul Lynn special, eyes wide, jaw drop, just going, "What yeah. am I watching?" And I'm like, I, "I, I, my feeling about the Beatles is the same as you. I have total utmost respect for the Beatles and what they did, but." Oh. My timeline, and as Mark loves to say, timeline is everything. My timeline was the Beatles were basically done by the time I started getting into music. It was Kiss that gave me a Beatles moment of like, holy crap, what yeah. is this? I, I how How is this happening? How are these right. superheroes also playing music? I don't get right. it. I don't get it. No. You know, a little kid's mind is just, you know, yeah, exploding yeah. with this. Concept. Well, it
1: was. It, it, and it wasn't. I wasn't that much into comic books. I was some DC Comics. You know, Superman, I guess, but you know, Aquaman, things like that. You know, but Kiss became the real live version of that. You know what I mean? Yep. And yep. um, and you, and it's funny because you know, I had my Gibson EBO bass. I started as a bass player. I didn't start as a guitar player who picked up bass. In fact, in fact, for six months they made me play guitar before they would even give me a bass, my parents, right? Because someone told them, oh, David should learn how to play guitar first. I'm like, give me the freaking bass. I'm ready to go here. You know what I mean? And so I've been a dedicated bass player. Now, of course, I've learned to play guitar, acoustic guitar. I kind of technically started on keyboard instruments first, you know. But um, it's funny that when I would put on Kiss Makeup, which I think I probably did once, I guess, you know, I, I was Paul. And maybe because it was just easier to draw a star on my eye, but I was, I have a picture somewhere of me as Paul with my base, you know what I mean? Which (laughs) is like, doesn't even work, you know what I mean? So in fact, one of my Christmas ornaments up here is, is, is a Paul Stanley that'll be on my tree this year, you know? So it's, um, and you know, it's, it's, you know, it's funny that, um, you know, Paul and I have, have you know, become, you know, friendly. And then I would say, you know, professional friends with each other, you know, and um, that's why it was just great to hang with him. And I told him, I said, you know, when I, he was signing to the stage, a friend of mine had bought the stage smashed Paul Stanley guitar package. Right. And I, I told Paul, I said, you know, I learned how to do this from you. I, um, I saw you had Paul Stanley guitars and we were on a mega tour on dystopia in 19 or in 20, 2016. And me and Kiko were sitting backstage and we started talking about getting, doing the stage used guitar thing. And we looked at how Paul was doing it, um, Paul and Gene. And so I, I right there, I went to GoDaddy.com and secured DavidEllisonBasses.com, David Guitars.com. So I got my domains and I started doing, you know, basically what Paul does, you know, buy a bunch of guitars from Jackson, in my case, a bunch of basses, take them on tour, um, play them, sell them. You know, I like I told Paul, I said clearly I need to start smashing these things because they're worth a hell of a lot more money if they're smashed, you know. So <laughs> <You know? laughs> but um, you know, again, being a student of KISS, you know what I mean? How do how they do this, you know? But um, you know, so it's anyway, there's there's some, some little back backstories of, of even my own career, how i you know, I i directly apply things I've learned from them right to my own my own lifestyle. Well,
0: D- D- Dave, let me, let me ask you, I mean, and, and I know we got to watch time. So just let us know if, if, if you hey, want to, if, if we need, if we need to end here, but as a lifelong kiss fan, I mean, you were right in the wheelhouse of Mark, myself. I mean, you know, yeah. Dave, you and I grew up in the same state, breathing the same air that kiss went through as kids. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, what's what's your feeling of it ending now you've like well, you said funny. earlier you you've been to like three of the shows on this tour yeah how's yeah. that feeling to you as a kiss fan and as a professional musician well
1: you know it, it's funny that um you know in detroit the other day, even kirk hammett from the stage said detroit rock city right so for our <laughs> age group you know you can't be in detroit And not say detroit rock city right i mean it's just what it what it is you know and um you know so that's just how much of an impact that just that's that's that saying is you know and um you know it's funny i went to the sound chair so in palm desert i went to the uh my friend scott from asylum records i'll give him a shout out because that's actually where i bought my my lunchbox was there (laughs) And, uh, and I think we traded it or something. I was so, I got that and the lucky charms one up here on the shelf, you know? So, um, but, uh, you know, he said, he goes, um, um, you know, he brought me into the sound check party and he said, dude, come over here and get in the pit. And I'm kind of going, you know, look, I kind of know these guys and, you know, I'm, you know, they're going to see me and know this and and they were happy to see me. I could tell, like, Oh, wow. Check it out. David's here, you know? So I was kind of, so I literally was, you know, jumped over the, you know, came around the barricade, not in the first row, but in the pit, and not just in the pit, up against the stage. I mean, literally, if with a reach, you could touch Gene's shoe, you know. I mean, it was like right there. And I was just like, this is the coolest freaking thing for a fan experience. And I will say, Kiss and Metallica, they make it all about the fan experience, you know, at both shows backstage, there's a ton of people Everyone's got, you know, and everybody in the Kiss Show has like some all access pass. Now, I realize they've got different stamps and colors and things. So, this all access gets you here. You got to have the purple stamp to get all the way over here, and you need the blue, maroon, whatever to be able to get back for the you know the, the smashed guitar vip so i mean they, there's limits to where they let they let you go but i mean they make everybody feel so special right like like wow man i'm fucking backstage with an all access am with the Kiss show like how rad is this you know even i felt cool i was like damn this is awesome man you know <laughs> and i've been backstage because i've performed with them you know what i mean so but it was just kind of it was kind of cool that, that, uh, you know, to just have just kind of look around and same with Metallica, you know, that whole in the round is set up to just be fan friendly, you know, Lars with high five and then, you know, Robert's in the fucking snake bit playing And you know what I mean? So I, I just Taylor Swift, same thing, right? Everything is about a fan friendly experience. And I think these days that's what people want, you know, um, you know, Slash said something when we did the 10th anniversary Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp together over in Las Vegas. He had a great quote in the USA Today. He, they were asking him some questions. He said, these people, meaning the customers at the camp, they don't really want our lives. They just want to be able to touch it for a minute, you know? And I think that's what KISS give us, Metallica, um, et cetera. But, you know, to to KISS, they they are the masters of, you know, of really offering you... A piece of their lives you know you can't have their life but they you can you can have a piece and and you know they they taught us that everything is for sale <laughs> you know what i mean that that there's there's a price on it but you know hey if you want the mic no problem you want me to kiss it too no problem sign <laughs> it there's your mic you know and and you know to some degree as 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 kind of silly as that all seemed in the 90s and when all this stuff was starting you know, I remember in our business, you know, we'd always do meet and greets. greet. Oh, so the radio station who's presenting the show tonight, they've got 20 winners or people they want to come back and meet the band. No problem. And then at a certain point, by the late 90s into the 2000s, it was like, yeah, you know, we're not meeting anyone unless they're paying. Like it, everyone has to buy a meet and greet package. And, and, you know, Kiss, I think, again, being a student of Kiss, they showed us, hey, you can touch or have a piece of all of this just bust out your credit card. You know what I mean? Like we will make it available for you. We will present it. We'll sign it. You'll get to feel like you're part of it, you know? Um, and I think it's about the the connection that's made with it, that makes it palatable and doesn't just feel like, you know, you're just selling off a piece of your life, you know, but at the, at the sound check party, which I looked around, I'm going, man, there's like 300 people here. And I mean, at whatever, a thousand fifteen hundred bucks a pop, I mean, it's 30, 40 grand before the doors even open. You know what I mean? And, but, you know, kiss are up there. They're really playing. They sound fucking great. You know, they're not, and Paul was kind of, he was joking, making kind of, you know, yeah, you know, this is all on tape, you know, like kind of, you know, just kind of making fun of the naysayers, you know, they're really singing. They're really playing and they're not running tape you know, you could tell. And where I was at in that little position down there by Gene's boot (laughs) down in the corner, you're, you're sort of, you know, if you stand a little farther out, you start to hear the PA, right? But where I was, you're, you'd literally, there's a position where you're not really hearing the PA. You're just hearing only the stage sound. And that's where this little, this little sound check party and where my friend Scott, that's where I was pretty much for the whole show, was right down in that little area. And, um, um the you know you know paul did say he said um he said you know it's the end of the road you know um there's there's he didn't say what but he said you know kiss doesn't just end but it is the end of the road and he pointed up to the production he said it's the end of all of this you know of the big show and all the stuff so who knows? He didn't say, yeah, we're going to keep playing. He didn't say that. He didn't say, yeah, there's going to be, you know, this. He didn't He didn't indicate what, but he just said it's going to be, this is the end of the road, you know. Um, and, you know, indicated also they're looking forward to, he didn't say retirement, but – you know, doing some other things in life rather than just showing up every day and being Paul Stanley, you know? So, um, you know, I, and that's how I got it too. When they said end of the road was, that was a very clever way to say it's the end of the road, but look, kiss will live on will be past kiss. Right. And I always say that too, even in my career, we've written songs that are going to outlive us in in Megadeth, right? We our songs will live beyond us. Same with kiss. Um, so you know the lunch boxes, the merch, like this shit will still keep selling long after Kiss is off the planet, just like the Beatles, right? Because you you create something of that levity and of that size, you can't help but it to just carry on.
2: You know, it's going to keep going. Don't people do you, think, do, do, Don't you think that that like people don't understand that back in the sixties there were Beetle wigs and Beetle, you know, they were merchandised. Totally. A lot of people think. Kiss started that and they didn't Mm -hmm. The the Beatles really monetized that I mean the Beatles really did Everything first I'm not saying they did it Best I'm just saying they did a lot Of that stuff first
1: I I agree and I mean Look Kiss have have always paid their Their respects to the Beatles And it's why Mm -hmm. each member of the band Sings you know like like we were talking earlier it's you know it's interesting that it wouldn't be until you know love gun was shocked me that we'd finally hear Ace sing mm-hmm. but you know and and it, and when we heard Ace sing it was like it was cool and it was like it wasn't the greatest singing we didn't give a shit it's fucking dude the ace awesome. is singing oh yeah. my like, it's, it's, it's awesome. ace Rayleigh really. <laughs> yes. it's fucking Ace Braille really, and he said wow he's got a voice you know what I mean it's like wow this is cool so um, you know, I get it. Hey, I just started singing in a new band, you know, a year ago, two years ago. You know what I mean? So it's like people are like, Oh my god, after all this time, we're finally hearing David Olsen saying, you know, and dying, I got a couple so, you
2: know. couple geeky questions just for you because we're roughly the sure. year just a year older than me and I've been a big fan. It was funny when when I first came in because I came in late, you were talking yeah. about different places you played, you know, in Minnesota. I was thinking about this today. I've seen you probably blondies i think uh cobalt hall i mean i've seen you play a million times the palace pine knob i mean it's just amazing i'm like god i've seen this guy play at just about every venue here in detroit and what i wanted to ask you though is because again you were a midwestern kid and you you know the the aerosmith you know all ever. yeah when did you start going hey this European thing because when Dave was writing those riffs with Metallica before, you know, you hooked up with Dave, that was like out there, you know, the, 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 the the speedy stuff. When did you start getting into like the Scorpions and Judas Priest? And I mean, were you in like, what year was, was that? I mean, because you went right. I mean, you know, the, the first, Megadeth record was so groundbreaking in, in many ways. Sure. sure. No, so to answer your speed. question,
1: I, I think it was right before you got on, you know, 1976 was really my downbeat with Kiss. And it's mostly because I heard Shout It Out Loud on the radio on WLS. You know, on WLS was things like Sweet, uh, Sticks, um, Kiss, Bachman Turner Overdrive, uh, these kind of things, right? So that was that's what got me into BTO, not Fragile in nineteen seventy four. I love that. Are you kidding? me? Right? I mean BTO. I mean, come on, dude. I I, I mean, that really? If I had line, to be, oh, bass- I mean, of not oh Fragile, that's I, I had to cover it on a solo record. It was I just had to do it. It was so cool. But then then Kiss was you know right there. You know it was the electric guitar and the guy singing. You know, suddenly I went from Sonny and Cher and whatever else was on, you know, Donnie and Marie Osmond and, you know, this kind of like wholesome American television. But when television did the
2: speed, come, the speed element come in well, for you? so I'll, I'll, I'll give you the,
1: yeah, it's your question. I'll, I'll hurry through my answer here. But so, you know, 76, you know, to really 78 was Kiss, 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 like singular focus. You know, then, you know, the first Boston record came out, Van Halen, things like that. Um, I think it was probably right around 19, really 79, for sure, 1980. I mean, eighty was a downbeat of a huge year. It's the first year, you know. I used to play Paranoid by Black Sabbath, but I didn't really know too many Sabbath records. Um, you know, Nazareth was another band around mm-hmm. in the in the 70s, great, you know, like like uh, Love Rasmus. Hurts. I mean, oh yeah, Latin then Red Lasmanaz, I mean just these great fucking Nazareth songs. Most, because the singer was so killer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but by eighty and eighty-one, I mean, those were big years when um, you know, I heard you know, Ronnie James Deal was uh, doing heaven and hell with Black Sabbath. Uh, he was the new singer in the band. And you know, those 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 deal records with Sabbath were completely different. I mean, that was a to me, that was a major advancement forward in in the sound of Black Sabbath, the sound of music. The Scorpions production, like especially Love Drive. Oh man, mm-hmm. I mean, that was just just amazing. And of course, the first two maiden records and killers really stuck with me big time. I mean, that me that, that that real that stuck. Um, and um, the um, you know, then and then you know, a year later, that's let's, let's call it 81 or maybe 82, when scorpions blackouts, number of the beasts by iron maiden. Um you know, Diamond Head was making their their way. They didn't really transition here to America, but Def Leppard mm-hmm. did, right? I mean, Def Leppard, even though really Diamond Head was probably the bigger band international in Europe, uh, you know, Def Leppard connected
2: over here. And um, Well they yeah, Def Leppard got on the radio here where but it's yeah. funny when you go back, a song like It's Electric could have I mean, because it really does have that. You know, especially the first Def Leppard record, yeah. so, you know, kind of does have that that same feel, you know.
1: Totally, um, totally.
2: And and that's why, you know, by
1: the time I done eighty three, I moved to LA. I meet Dave, he's you know, six to eight weeks out of Metallica. Um, I meet him, you know, first week of June. So let's say it was eight weeks, he was out of Metallica at that point. Um, and you know, the early Megadeth stuff was not that fast. Um, and he, he, I remember Dave going up to his apartment up. So he lived directly above me and, and, you know, he would play, I remember one day walking in there, I think he was doing the dishes or something, <laughs> but, uh, you know, cleaning the apartment or whatever and, uh, making something to eat or whatever. And he had, um, the no life to leather demo on, and that, that's, that's, you know, really that's my Metallica. That's why when we covered Me mechanics when we covered mechanics on Killing Is My Business, I played the Ron McGovney bass line, which is this more very simple kind of static writing open e-bass part, whereas once Cliff recorded it on Kill Them All, they slowed the tempo down. He he played the riff. You know, he kind of played more of that, Um, which, you know, I would then start doing as well. I, You know, Holy Wars, I would be literally playing the guitar parts on the bass. Um, so it's funny. The reason the, the Megadeth sound sped up so much, you know, we're writing, you know, essentially, you know, looking on the cross, go beneath the skin, um, these, you know, those Rattlehead. Those first batch of, rat, 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 yeah. Rattlehead rattlehead even came, came later, but so in, cause Rattlehead was actually written in, in early 84, but the stuff that we were writing in the summer of uh, summer and fall of 83, um was much the temples were slower. Devil's Island, all this stuff was much slower. Love that. A fan a fan wrote a letter to Dave and said, Dude, I hope your new shit's faster than Metallica, right? And and you know, really the only reference of Metallica at that point was really Kill'em Em All, right? Because not not, you know, now people know of the no life to leather demo, but you know, Kill'em all is what people really that was the first real, you know, global introduction mm-hmm. of a Metallica record, right? and it's funny you know doc mcgee ironically who manages kiss now um he managed megadeth for a short minute in late 1988 and um he he even said uh as we were dave and i were sitting in his office in la for a meeting you know he, he was comparing where megadeth is to where metallica is and how we could get to that level right and he he had a couple of comments about metallica it was interesting he said he goes. He goes. The Metallica name is bigger than the band is. As big as the band was, and this is injustice for heading into injustice for all. Right? As big as the band uh, was, the name was even bigger. Right? Like you said, Metallica. Everybody had a had a relation to that name. Kind of like today, you see, you know, even actresses wearing Motorhead and fucking, you know, whatever, you know, Ramones t-shirts and shit. And you know, they probably never even heard these bands, but the t-shirts look cool and. Motorhead's cool, right? I think, right? You know what I mean, <laughs> uh, right? And probably the same with Megadeth shirts. You know, who knows? But, um, but um, you know, it's funny with um, with um, you know the. In any the other thing, Doc said is he said you know Metallica give the impression that they're fast, um, but they're not that fast. And I, and he's right because I remember when I heard Kill 'Em All. And again, I could compare it to, uh, you know, No Life to Leather, you know, because I, 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 you know, was in the room, right? So I could, t- I listened to, when we listened to the Kill em All record the first time, it's like, okay, they slowed that down. Um, they, you know, I could tell the construction of some songs were changed a bit. But the first thing that hit me was they pulled the tempos back. It, and like Doc said, they give the illusion of being a fast band, but it really wasn't that fast and even even motorhead um
2: you know was faster I mean, a rock and roll band I, a rock and a roll band motorhead yeah I, right. I know right i never right. i never bought the metal thing i mean you can make some you know sure. but overall eh, you know well so so here's what's funny so you know gene
1: and paul are the main songwriters of kiss right so to to tie this back to our kiss topic here so, you know, the other day I'm watching, you know, five, ten feet away, I'm watching Paul play uh, God of Thunder. And as he said, uh, you know, he wrote that, as I understand, to give Gene's character a song. Right. Um, like it needed his character. needed. Well, Bob a, Ezrin
2: actually did, kind of transferred that over. Did he? From yeah. Paul's demo. Yes.
1: Yeah, so so Paul had written – so, you know, right? You know, in metal, we write riffs, and in hard rock, it's very riff-based, right, as opposed to just jangling chords, right? It's very riff-based, and it's the repetition of the riff that we like, right? That's why it makes us mm-hmm. – you know, even a da 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 a right, or whatever it is, right? It's like you know, Symphony of Destruction, go go good, go go good, right? It's that repetition of that 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 moves the the that moves the audience, it moves everyone in the audience to really you know be be engaged, and um and and in a way, a riff is a song within itself. It's a melody. It's something you can hum. Um, so, you know, I, I think back to like, you know, a lot of great kiss song, you shout it out loud. Right. It's, 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 it's a melody, but it's, it's, it's riffy and it's so much so that it becomes an anthem. Right. And, um, you know, so, and that was one of the hardest things for me, I think as a bass player growing up is to really understand what Gene Simmons was doing, you know, and that's why, you know, I've always hailed Gene as one of the greatest rock bass players out there because he, you know, like Paul McCartney and being a fan of Paul, he plays these rolling, walking bass lines that are really, really clever. They're really cool. Um, And... You know as a student of music myself who also played in jazz band and understood the walking bass line and and what that's doing like why why do we play these notes well these notes are the legal notes within this chord right uh you know firehouse bump bum, again another riff right but it's this right these these things that are there there's kind of rolling walking bass lines um you know, and as a bass player, you know, that's, that's a, that, right. That, that, that slide. The slide you yeah. know, I, I, I use it in the studio all the time. You want I me mean, to add a little gene right there. You know, it's, 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 it's like a name,
2: right. <laughs> the one, you the gene. one in Deuce right at the beginning of oh, yeah. is the Ooh. ultimate one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, as we were talking earlier, maybe before you got on, you know, these songs were written with pyro in mind. They had to be because
2: <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. And, and, you know, so, yeah, jeans bass style. It's aggressive, and one thing I will say, and he, you know, he's been quoted as saying in Bass Porter magazine years ago, as he told the story, he goes, he goes, you know, if if you don't have bass, you don't have heavy, and you know, you really hear it now in the live show. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: You know, their front of house sound mixer um, is a uh, guy, as I've learned from jeans tech, Michael Berger. Uh, you know, he's a younger guy, Claire Brothers guy, I think more kind of in tune with pop music and stuff. And because I said, he goes, man, the sound is really clear. You can really hear everything. He's not just turning the guitars up and drowning everything out. You know, it's not just a drum and, you know, guitar show. It's it's very well mixed. There's a lot of layers. You can really hear everything well. Um and but when Gene plays, man, it like you know he's in the room, man. And and as a bass player, I got that from him, from Geezer, Ian Hill from Judas Priest, you know, uh even Cliff from ACDC. It's like when these bass players play, there's no fucking around, man. I mean, you can tell the bass is in the room, you know, and when the bass goes away, it's dramatic. Like right? you can really you can really tell that it's
2: that it's I'm really have brought up. Ian Hill and, and Cliff Williams because those guys they they are the glue. I mean, it's no different than Gene is. and and I'd yeah. say the same thing. Uh, you know uh, about someone like Phil Rudd. Mm-hmm. I, it's funny. I I rem- when he left AC, you could just tell it just didn't have the. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. The other guys are good. You know that that filled in for Simon and, but yeah. No, There's a thing. And in fact, it's funny you mentioned that because the
1: other day I was watching Lars on stage, right? I'm watching him play. And it hit me right then because I think Lars is a fantastic drummer. And and look, he'll he'll be the first. In fact, it's funny. I remember when when I walked in to do the Big Four jam, right? When we did the Sofia Bulgaria, they invited us over to play uh, Am I Evil, right? So we did a quick little rehearsal backstage in the Metallica Jam Room. I walk in Trujillo right away. Junior hands me the bass, right? So I, I for one minute, am playing bass in Metallica, right? It's James and Kirk and Lars, right? So I got a feel. Then everybody was coming in, Dave and Scotty and everybody were all plugging in. And um, you know, Lars jokingly says, "He goes, oh shit, I'm the worst drummer in the room." You know what I mean? And it's and it, but but it, and and it's funny. You know, he, Lars is so great, and he's 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 funny with his self-deprecating humor and he's just he's he's just he's fun you know i love the guy and you know my and and i i would argue no you're you're the you're the best drummer in the room and here's why because he's not worried about playing he's he's a parts guy he's not worried about playing drums is like you have to be you know this this proficient guy uh, he writes songs within his drumming, you know. And watching me oh, play, accents the accents are insane. They're, They're insane. insane. And They're I, was, insane. I was, I was oh, watching him. I'm going, he, he is the Peter Chris of Metallica, right? Like, because Peter, you know, it's like when you hear that drum solo, dude. That drum solo on Kiss Alive is like unequaled. I mean, the song I played, inside the song, dude. I've played with a lot of drummers. Nick Menz and I would do a lot of this stuff, and Nick was really good. Of course, Tommy Lee, you know, he swings from the ceiling. His spin drum gets spins. He he adds the showbiz and the drama. But you know, Peter, that first uh, the, the flange on the drums, mm-hmm. which of course was probably some Andy Kramer stuff. The cowbell, you know, um, in in the solo. I mean, that drum solo is just. It, it's unequal. It It's the gold standard. It's the bar by which all fucking drum solos are measured. And of course, Neil Peart would come along on all the worlds of stage. With I was Rush. just
2: about to say, he used the yeah, that flange yeah. effect was.
1: Yeah. And of course, his was his was, you know, again, the professor and the drum kid. Right. So there's a, a different style to how he did Correct. it. But, you know, these guys are, you know, Peter's, Peter's solo was just, you know, incredible on that. And even, you know, Kiss Alive, too, of course. I mean, you know, these, these solos, and that was a popular thing in the 70s to do that. Um, but it was the same when I was watching Lars and going, man, this guy, he's in his own world composing. And the Lars is a composer. You know, he he in his and his his tool is the drum kit, right? And so to compose from be not who the fuck can compose a song from behind the drum kit? He can. And some of the biggest ones ever in the world, you know what I mean? And it's the same, I feel like that with you know with with Peter, you know, that that that, you know, it wasn't about the proficiency of this guy could go teach at Berkeley or do stuff like that. That wasn't the point. You know, the point was make it flashy, make it exciting. You know, when the band stops and it goes into a drum solo, people don't leave and take a piss and buy a beer, you know, they're fucking watching. They're right there. You know, here's another thing too. People talk about kiss running tape, you know, and and I love that. They just came right out and said, Hey, on the farewell tour, we're going to, you know, augment a little bit for some vocals. Um, and, you know, in, and, and, and the tour, we did we did three shows with them at the end of 2018. I think they only did about two weeks of festivals and stuff in Europe. And we did the last three with them. And, you know, you could hear it. Like it, it, I'm glad they, they, they did it. They added some extra vocal augmentation and they were very open about it. They just came right out and said, Hey, this is what we're doing. Um, you know, we're of an age we could just, we need to help. And so I thought that was very cool. You know, here's my thing in 1977, when I saw Kiss up in Bloomington, you know. Beth was the big song, right? That was the big hit, you know. And Peter came out, you know. Now Eric Singer sitting behind the piano, you know, the whole thing. When when in the, in seventy seven, Peter came out, sat on a stool with some roses, right. Handed roses out to the girls in the front row, and the fucking thing was on tape. The whole thing it was—it was, you know, it's like they just rolled tape, and he sang along. Thanks for you know, making was... our point. <laughs> we, we yeah, so, so it's so like hard. it's like fucking hey, they, you know, this is showbiz, baby. You know what I mean? And you figure back in those days, it was probably a reel-to-reel tape. It wasn't like a <laughs> digital thing that if it fucked up, you get play again. You know, so uh, you know it, it's you know what? Who cares, man? It's like at the end of the day. Peter was really singing. You could tell it was him. You know, he sang, and and uh, it was it was beautiful, man. It was, and it was, and it created this beautiful moment. The ballad. I mean, it's you know, if if there were you know, the ladies there that didn't know Kiss because they just went because their boyfriend wanted to go, they sure knew Beth. I mean, that fucking song, everybody knew. You
2: know,
0: I, I remember, about, you know, boy, back, my... back 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 in the day, I don't remember a single Kiss fan crying that. There's no string orchestra on stage with that. That's what
1: I'm saying, right? It was literally a fucking tape and he's sitting there handing roses out. I mean, people were just, "Oh, we love Peter O'Gers. Oh, he's so kind." <laughs> oh. Well, you know? They were just fawning over the guy, right? Because, you know,
0: I mean, let's let's go let's go back to to the Ed Sullivan moment for all of us. The Paul Lind yeah. Halloween special. I look at that now and it's like, "Oh wow, I can see It's all lip syncing, all the crappy dancing and all this other stuff. Edited a lot of the songs. When I was a twelve yeah, and the songs were all edited up. But when I was a twelve year old kid, none of that meant anything to me. It was like, holy fucking shit, what is this? Yeah.
1: Well, here's the funny thing, Michael. If you go back and watch that Paul Lynn thing now. They didn't even go to Casablanca and get the master tape so they could cut the end of the song into a proper fade. It literally is fading into King of the Nighttime World, right? It's like they don't even stop it, right? it's It's like they just took the cassette, took it up to the sound booth put it in and hit play with the radio edit because it's a radio edit, right? There was two edits. There was the album version, which is longer yep. than there's the the radio edit. They just used the radio edit from the fucking record company. And it literally, at the end of it, go watch it. It literally is, it, it, the whole car crash thing, right? Is happening. And then you can hear the the, the, the guitars holding the, yep. which would go da-da-da. Yep. Right, the crazy, right the, the fucking, craziest thing so, in
2: 2023 to think about though is that the Destroyer cycle was over. I mean, Rock and Rollover was literally going to be released and yeah, within a couple weeks. And I'm like, why aren't... Again, this is 23, 2023 mindset. I'm older now. Going, sure. Jesus Christ, why didn't they play Calling Dr. Love or... Or, or you know, what, what was going to be a single going to be released to the public in a couple? Well, look, you know, really, it's just weird when you think about it now.
1: You know, and it's that's what I loved about the Soundcheck party is because they played a bunch of songs they don't play in the show. I think they played six songs. Uh, You know, Christine 16, Blaster Caster, whatever it was. You know, cool fucking songs, man. Now yeah, look, they
2: did She Here in Detroit, so...
1: I, I at the soundcheck party? Know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, I, and cool. I love that, man. Kiss and Metallica. You know, these guys are putting in the time, man. You know what I mean? They're digging deep. They're going back into the archives. They're pulling out the fan-favorite shit. They, they, they know they're, you know, the people that can afford these shows and these prices... They're our age, right? We've got the extra money we can pay. And we want to hear she. You know, it's funny. I was I was saying to um uh Brit, uh, Britt Lightning is her Instagram. She's the guitar player in in uh, Vixen. And she was down there with her boyfriend in the pit next to me, and we're fucking rocking out at the kiss show, you know. And um and they was it after the drum solo? I forgot where it was, but they went into The 100,000 years break from Kiss Alive. Do you feel all
2: right? You're
1: right. Down. All right. And I was saying, I was going, you know what, man? The best parts of their show are still from Kiss Alive. You know, it's from those first earliest years when they made that show it wasn't just going up and playing the songs of the album they created all these extra parts they created all these extra bits and they still have them in the show i mean that's how good they are as they've lasted yep. the, the you know the, the the test of time
0: um real quick mark's battery died on his ipad yeah no problem um no problem. you know it's, quick side i mean our listeners know this mark is the worst person when it comes to technology he just doesn't get it he doesn't understand it but yeah He's, well, actually, he's my a... my internet
1: my internet's down. I think like a little area internet on my house. So I'm, I'm 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 on my iPhone. So, well, but yeah, you I mean, know, we, you got to be quick at your feet with this, stuff.
0: Exactly. So before we wrap here, and and you first of all, you've got an open invite to just come back anytime you want to hang and chat. Appreciate anything it. related Thank to you. kiss. Um Thank you. Let up update our listeners. What are you doing now? What are your projects? What should they be looking for you? Uh, you know, where, where where should they be looking for you?
1: Sure. So uh, my group, Dief, um, we're based out of Poland, uh European group. So we have an album out called To Hell and Back. Uh, that's the one I was telling you that I have some singing on. That's my shock me moment, right? Where I, when they came out and started singing, right? Kings of Thrash um, is another group that I have with Jeff Young. who Was in Megadeth with me back in 1988. We go out, we play all the early '80s era Megadeth stuff. Um, ton of fun. It's just a you know a tribute back to that era of the legacy. Um, a lot of songs that hadn't been played in many years may not get ever get played again. Um, you know, so that's what we do with that. And then I just put, uh, I just announced the Bass Warrior tour. Uh, which is my—it's a solo tour essentially, but it's—we're um, going to go across Europe, a lot of Eastern European stuff, main mainland Europe, um, and that starts in February and March, and um, um, so that's yeah, that's what's that's what's going on. So um, at Nam coming up, uh, if anybody's going to be at the Nam show, we're House of Blues, Anaheim, January twenty fifth. Uh, Metal Allegiance, which is another group that I have with uh, Mike Portnoy, Alex mm-hmm. Skolnick, Phil Demel, a bunch of guys, John Bush singing. Uh we're performing a show with dieth is on that as well. Um, but that's that's gonna be Anaheim House of Blues uh, January twenty-fifth. So um yeah, so that's uh, that's what's happening in my world for the next uh, six months or so.
0: And what's your website? where people can go to find everything about you.
1: Sure. Yeah. Look, davidallison.com is the main place. Facebook just slash David Allison. um, Instagram, David Allison base. Uh, so I, I'm out there. You, you can find me.
0: <laughs> so, so let me, let me end this with one kiss related question that we only ask to guests who are clearly lifelong diehard fans and they would okay. get this. Um, Did Vinnie Vincent save KISS? No,
1: no, no. I you you know, look, (laughs) you know, here here's 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 my reality of KISS is I was good up through Kiss Alive 2. Once Dynasty came out, um, I didn't even buy that record uh, I've since come to love it um and it's funny you, you know you, I was made for you, love
0: you, it. you 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 didn't go to the dynasty in store in Bloomington at Great American. no music? I did not I didn't I, I was there I was there well here's the thing that's when the lunch
1: boxes came out and all the stuff right um and I was made for love you now here's the reality our age and me as a bass player there were three types of music there was punk rock there was disco and there was kiss, right? There was those three. Yeah. Now guys like you and me, we would never admit in a million years that we were into that. We maybe kind of liked some disco songs, unless you're, you know, trying to pick up on, you know, your, your prom date or something, right. You know, yep. trying to yeah. like, yep. you know, then you would, but um, the truth of it is as a bass player, disco was essentially the new motel, and the bass playing is great. It's fantastic. Right. So as a student of the bass, I did listen to disco and I learned how to play a lot. In fact, Michael Anthony from uh, Van Halen had these sort of octave walking bass lines and stuff in there in a lot of his parts, in a lot of his, you know, his bass lines and early Van Halen stuff. But, you know, Paul, when he wrote I Was Made for Loving You, you know, it's funny how that song, uh, you know, that song was the real departure, you know, in in a way, Beth was as well, but it, it was a departure. But it also was the time that is also a moment where Kiss suddenly you could tell was playing the room. They were trying to be in good favor of what else was going around. And of course, in in the true cred of metal and rock, we don't follow friends, right? But Kiss clearly went there, right? And, you know, reading the books and hearing the backstory of it, you understand why Paul did it. You know, he's hanging out Studio 54, Kiss is on top of the world. Uh, fuck it. I'm gonna write a disco song, you know, and it, you look know, to this day, it's one of their best songs in the live show. Oh, and I wasn't, you, I wasn't even a f- fan of it listen, back then, but it's you, great. If, if, you know, if
0: you go look on Spotify, it's the most played song on Spotify.
1: Yeah, For kids. I mean, look, it, look, chicks dig it, right? I mean, just the same way they liked Beth back in the day, right? Even your mom heard Beth at the grocery yep. store, right? And um, the Red Owl or whatever, and yeah, and Red so, Owl, right? You know, right, the Red Owl. Mm-hmm. And uh, but so the same with same with I was made for loving you. It's that one song that everybody came to know. But you know, once they took the makeup off and of Vinnie Vincent, and of course, I was aware of it. You know, to me, once once one of the superheroes left. You know the pack, uh, as as you know, Ace ducked out and moved on. Look to me, Ace had the best solo record, followed in a close second with Paul Stanley. Paul's Paul's record is good, um, but, but my favorite Paul songs were in Kiss. My favorite Ace songs were also in Kiss, but because he wasn't singing them, you know, you didn't really come to know them in, as an Ace song. His solo record, I thought, was incredibly good. I mean, stands mm-hmm. alone i i would say it's my favorite ace fraley uh solo record i haven't liked his other ones as much when he finally went solo um and of course probably what made it cool was the fact that at that point he was still in kiss so you could like him as a kiss character and also like his solo record you know it didn't bother me that i didn't care for P- peter's record at all fuck it he's a drummer in kiss, whatever. Um, I love him in Kiss. Don't like his solo stuff. Same with Gene. Exactly. It's like Gene. He's exactly. like Gene. Exactly. Dude, we love you, dude. You're fucking God of Thunder. You're Gene
0: Simmons. You can do no wrong, right? You're you're still uh, our demon. Yeah, right. Ladies'
1: room, God of Thunder, or whatever. Yeah, you're awesome. Your solo record, eh? Not so much. But it didn't matter because he's fucking in Kiss, right? So, um, you know, so you know, with with you know, as they then went into the no makeup years, you know, to me. Um, you know, they were just kind of another ordinary glam band, you know. And look, I, I, and I appreciate it. And as a lifelong, you know, 40-year career, 40-year-plus career musician myself, I get what they had to do during the no-makeup years. I get it. You know, the, the the team had fragmented. Why are we trying to create new characters and keep going, you know, fuck it, just take the makeup off. Let's just do it. And they went there. And, you know, the Revenge record was great. Hot in the yeah. Shade wasn't bad. Revenge was great. Um, you know, Domino, Unholy. I mean, funny enough, my favorite songs on Revenge are the are the Gene Simmons songs. I think his are whereas on a lot of the other records, I, I really like the Paul songs, you know. Um, but uh the Gene songs I think were fantastic on on um on on Revenge. And then of course that was a little bit short-lived because that then you know gave way to you know ace and peter joining him on that mtv thing or wherever that was and next thing you know the makeup's on and me and marty friedman are second row here in phoenix watching the fucking reunion tour in 1996 you know and you know it's funny to go to the reunion tour because you know at this point um you know we're professionals we're in the we're in the stride of our career right we're now the guys, right? Um And to go watch Kiss, it's, you know, to see it for what it was, they got to make it back on. It was sort of the Kiss Alive 2 uh, costumes and stage set. Um, You know, Marty and I were there. It's sort of like you're at the Wizard of Oz, but now you know what goes on behind the curtain. You know, you know there's a guy pulling the levers, and you know know how it works. Like I said at the beginning of our interview, I know now how the jumbo jet flies, you know, and that's what made it, uh, you know, I still went back to the fantasy of it, right? Because let's face it, the KISS show is, it's a fantasy, right? Yet, knowing all the while how it's done. Um, but seeing how fucking big it was and looking around the arena and just going, man, this place is freaking packed, man. This is this is massive. And um, how cool that is, you know? So, um, yeah. you know, no, I t- I'm glad I, they... I, to-
0: I totally get what you're saying because... You know, I, I worked with them for a number of years when I launched their website for them and stuff like that. So I was really seeing behind the curtain. But at the right. same time, and this is what we say on the show all the time, there's something special that they can, even with all of that, knowing how it's made, when that the lights go down, that curtain drops, you get those goose pimples on your arm like it's 1977 again and you're 100%. going you know yeah. I, I i remember i've shared this story on the show previously but i'll tell you it was during the farewell tour um here's mark coming back during the farewell tour back in 2000 when i was working with them and i was going to all sorts of shows on that tour covering them for the website taking photos the whole thing but there was one show in sacramento where I I emailed Tommy Thayer, who at the time was tour managing for him. And I'm like, Tommy, this is an yeah. odd request, but I'm going to come up to the show in Sacramento, but I'm not going to work. I want to be a fan tonight because I never get to experience a KISS concert as a fan when I'm working with you. It's always through a, you know, I'm looking through a viewfinder or it's parts of yeah. songs and I'm like, I want front row center tickets for the Sacramento show. He's like, no problem. And front row center Sacramento. And it was like a little kid again. I'm fists in the air, you know, banging my head. And, and it was funny after the show, I went back to say hi to the guys and ACE was just looked at me and ACE just laughed. He's like, that was you. You were going crazy. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) fucking kiss fan. You know, you brought me back to being, 12 years old again, and that was yeah, special. And the fact that they can still do that 50 years later, yeah, it's something I was that's there really in, unique in,
1: in Palm Desert. I was there two weeks ago, just being a fan. That's why when my friend yeah. Scott was like, Dude, get down here in the pit and I'm going, you know, again, yeah, like I said earlier, I was a little shy, like, you well, know, look, I'm a professional here. Right? I don't know if I should be down here. And, you know, I'm, you're, I, you brought me along as part of, you know, I'm kind of here as part your plus one. And, you know, these people paid all this money. I don't want to, you know, sort of take advantage of anything here. And, and then once I was down there, I'm like, you know what, fuck it, man, I'm going to be fucking 15 all over again and I'm going to go exactly. for it. And, and it was great. And, um, you know, so it was it was really it was fun. And and every time I go see Kiss and even when we would perform with him, you know, I would, you know, take my proverbial makeup off after the show and I'd go sit in front of house. I remember in Madrid, Spain, sitting up in the box with the promoter, just sitting up there, just going watching. And uh, funny, I was made for loving you, seeing how fucking big that song was and how it connected, you know, to the nine, ten thousand people that we just played for sitting out there as a fan, just going, check this out, man. This is freaking cool, man. This is so awesome. So, well, good. Well, hey, maybe there's a good place to wrap, you know?
0: Yeah. yeah as let's, a fan let's and ra- as let's, a fan. Yeah. Let's wrap this. And as I said, you've got an open invite to just come back, hang, talk about KISS, plug whatever you want to plug. But, cool, man. you know, at the core, we're just. You know, we might be fifty nine years old, but we still got the blood of a twelve year old KISS fan running through us. Totally. When when we yeah. went to that first concert, when we saw the Paul yeah. Lynn Halloween special, when we dropped yeah. the needle on our first KISS album, it's just like there's Dude, I was I special. was there
1: two weeks ago. I was literally there, you know what I mean? So I, I I totally get it, man. And you know what? It's it's like why I play rock and roll. And I said this too. I go see KISS concerts to remember why I give concerts, right? Because I go sit in the audience, get that experience. And I, now I know when fans come up to me, like they did the other day at the Metallica show coming, Oh my God, I can't believe you're in the fucking snake pit. Oh my God. You know, they were so happy. And I was just there to be a Metallica fan because I'm a fan of theirs. I'm a fan of their music, and as much as I'm friends with them, I, I you know, I, I get in the pit and go, "Fuck yeah, dude! They're fucking gonna rip my head off and play Whiplash, and you know, and you know, fight fire with fire or whatever." You know what I mean? And yeah, like that this second I, night I, was great, man. It wasn't it? Yeah, it was oh great. And it's and it's and so it's the same thing. So as fans come up to me and they go, oh "My God, you changed my life," and rest in peace or whatever you know, it's like, Hey, I get it, man. I just, I, I, I totally fucking get it. You know, that's why I try to always be gracious with the taking, you know, you know, doing a photo, giving an autograph, whatever, man. Cause it's, you know, our generation was a little different, you know, with what we did with the big four, we were a little more, the jeans and t-shirts, every man, you know, hang out, you know what I mean? So that's, that's how we did it. But, uh, um, you know, again, learned it all
2: from kiss. There you go. Dave, this I, is amazing. I, I got one more thing, and then I just because I, I want to tell Dave this because I can. Now, we've sure. we've been doing this show for 10 years, and mm-hmm. my son, who's 31, he, Megadeth is to him what Kiss is to me. And okay. so I said, Guess who we're going to have? Dave, honey, he's like, Finally, a rock star. <laughs> 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 We you finally you know. arrived
1: it's <laughs> the end of the road you finally get a fucking rock star exactly, on here.
0: exactly. <laughs> we we we've had gene simmons on we've had rob halford yeah. on here we've had no real rock stars no real rock
1: stars
2: your son rolls <laughs> i love it <laughs> so i, I can't i'm gonna tell him make sure you watch this because again he he was yeah. like oh, oh my god really because he was with me at metallica and my, when my friends go oh i just ran into Dave and i said my son's name's Ian, who I named after yeah. Ian Gillan, who's my favorite yeah. singer. So yeah, I said, "I'm good, like yeah. Dave Elson's here." He's like, "No way, where?" And I'm like, e- "We're never gonna find him," you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, yeah. this funny because it was he just like went, "Oh my god!" So I just thought, yeah. "I thought it was that's cool." cool. Well,
1: tell that. him, tell him, tell him, thank you. I appreciate that. So uh that's awesome. I All right, did. you guys have have a good take night. Care, take Rock care, man. On. All the See, best. But, yep. see ya bye stop bye.
2: oh I feel terrible that everything I, the, what happened today has been my entire day just you know running late running around this doesn't right just oh,
0: oh we're it's used bad. to it mark I mean showing up late battery's dying oh, but we roll god. with it the show goes
2: on it, it does you know just um, like uh, just like he said you know you don't you know, stop you, you, keep
0: you don't it. you don't stop you don't draw attention to it. well we sort of draw attention to it because we find it funny but funny. um dave was such oh god i mean what a fan you know here's how how do i explain this i didn't It didn't feel like I was talking to Dave Ellison from Megadeth. It felt like I was talking to Dave Ellison, a Kiss fan. Does that make sense?
2: It's funny. I had so many more questions, Megadeth questions, but I didn't go, you know, fanboy for this reason. He seemed so genuinely interested in talking about Kiss. Oh,
0: so much. It was just all all Kiss discussion. I mean, we had yeah, I think you were here. We had a little bit of the Megadeth history and some Metallica in there. But from the moment we started to the end, I mean, it it was like hanging with a Kiss fan at a Kiss expo out in the lobby for 6 hours. You I mean, he's just talking the same stuff. I mean, you know, and 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 for me it was kind of cool because he's from Minnesota. You know, I'm from Minnesota. Tommy's from Minnesota. So, you know, we started talking right away about the Met Center and shows in Bloomington, Minnesota. And it's it just felt like, you know, I've never met him before, but I felt like I just, I knew him. I just knew him.
2: He's just like one of those guys that you meet at a metal show. Or if you're somewhere and you're wearing a Metallica shirt and he was wearing a, you know, whatever, you know, mega death shirt you go and you could just start because how many times in our lives have we done i know i have at a restaurant or at a you know, hockey oh, yeah. game. if you if you see somebody with a kiss t-shirt on, matter of fact when when the, the guy that i play in and left for dead with that's how we met in college I mean, It he was like wearing a scorpion shirt or, or a saxon or something i was wearing a twisted sister i'm like hey
0: well, here, hey here, here, here's a <laughs> related to that so after shortly after we just moved up north here to petaluma um i had to get my car towed to a garage because i had to get the transmission replaced on it um the the tow truck that came out i'm wearing my wasp t-shirt and we're just sitting i'm sitting in the cab with him as he's driving the car and we just start talking about metal and wasp. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I work with Blackie. And he's like, No. And you know, all of a sudden it was just two lifelong metal heads. And now we're Facebook friends. And mm-hmm. you know, it it's it's it it is. It's heavy metal, especially kiss, but heavy metal is is that is it it's a bond that brings people together? It's just like, dude, got him you got a scorpion shirt on? Did you go see them on that last tour. Yeah, What's your favorite yeah. album? And yeah. next thing you know, you guys are talking for 15 20 minutes. And I, I
2: cannot count the amount of times that's happened in my life, and, and that's what that's, this felt
0: like with Dave. It just I, felt I, it, that it, way.
2: I, I just felt really, I felt like a Jerk because I came in late, but I, I really couldn't avoid that. And then when the fucking batter, I'm like, oh motherfucker! You know, you, look, these guys take time on it. I don't care if it's Dave or anybody else. I, you know, even whatever. I, it's just, just so you guys know, meaning out in the audience, I think a, a lot of you know we've changed recording days because of yes. certain things. And I thought I'm like, hey, this new day is going to be it's, as you can tell. Last tur- tur- turns time. out
0: it wasn't as. As yeah. beneficial yeah. for you as you thought it would be. And, yes. And, and, yes. And, and, and and yeah, I mean, again, we we're flying by the seat of our pants every fucking week here as to who's the guest going to be. How's the equipment going to be? Uh, you know, I think I will say it's part of what I love about three sides is <laughs> we we just we, we're just. Three people, four people, if Lisa shows up, that are just hanging and having a good time. And we're not worried about, is it the best internet connection? Is it the best camera? Is it the best microphone? And how we got to edit out the ums and the ahs. And... No, we're just. We're just having a good time. Mean and
2: I mean, th- three guys in a bar. Isn't, isn't that Three guys in a
0: bar. I mean, again, it's still. Sometimes your cell phone day, dies. <laughs> is, cell phone dies, phones ring, power goes out, you know, but we still do it because we just have a good time hanging and chatting. If it's just the two of us, three of us, or if we get a guest like Dave to come in here, you know, it's. I don't know. There's just something special. There's something exciting about that. So anyway, thank you to Dave. Amen. He's got, you know, I, I told him he's got an open invite. He can come back anytime to promote whatever he wants to promote or just be a KISS fan and talk KISS. I, you know, and I feel like there's so much KISS we could talk with him because, you know, his his talking about how KISS was his Beatles. me i mean i've shared that on this show many times it's like you know i got nothing against almost our
2: entire almost the entire audience yeah i mean because it was before us don't get me wrong i because i'm like you mike look i get the beatles i i understand all that i I get there would be no kiss without the beatles i get that they get credit for everything (laughs) however you know i'm just a casual beatles fan and and again, to those purists, oh, look, I again. I, Not dissing I them at all. No. However, I'd rather listen to Kiss. I'd rather listen to Aerosmith. And this is what really pisses them off. I'd rather listen to the Rolling Stones. I like that better. And it's no diss to the Beatles. It's just that it doesn't.
0: Didn't it fall in way, my up. Bands. It didn't fall in my upbringing. I mean, as I said on the show, for me as a kid when I was growing up into the early part of the seventies, if I if something was the Beatles, it was probably Paul McCartney and Wings. It wasn't the Beatles.
2: Mike, that part of our show where you're talking to Dave, that's it. Because I love Live. You know the original. Because tell you what, for as much as about Guns and Roses fan that I am, I don't like their version of Live and Let Die. I like the original. Oh, yeah I, I but you're absolutely right and Mike, Mike when we were you know and you know silly little love
0: songs and all that's the stuff I like wings and and, and that's it's not it's not our fault because guess what the Beatles had broken up by that yes, time they yes. were gone I couldn't fall in
2: love with the Beatles I I listened to the wings way 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 more than I listened to the Beatles yeah and that's not a not and it's funny Dave said the same thing if you had to tell me, if you had to like go, okay, what are your favorite Beatle songs? I'm like, I'd start, I'd start going like Yellow Submarine and, and she's 16. I mean, I'd start reading the fucking ring. I'm with, I'm with them. I love those, those goofy.
0: I, I would give them some Paul McCartney songs. That, that, yeah. you know, I'd be like, well, technically, isn't that kind of part Beatles? Yeah. It's, <laughs> but you know, it just goes to prove what, what, you've always said what we've always said on the show timeline is so important Mm -hmm. and 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 in the KISS scope of things this is why you can't yell at a fan who discovered KISS in 1985 and fell in love with them then they weren't around when KISS was in the 70s it's not their fault that's kiss to them so the only Old thing band. we can do,
2: and I find I find it our responsibility, especially when somebody says, and, and this is something we brought up on the show millions of times, but it's always worth saying because we always get new younger fans, and no different. Why I asked Dave to explain who Mark Hudson was, I know a, he, a good chunk of our audience yeah. had no clue. So, I mean, as you know, I always try to do that too if I talk about somebody from from the past, but um. The when fans start talking about like the elder and you can if you think that's their greatest album, more power to you. Fine. However, the truth of the matter is that was an unbelievable disaster that. Yeah, that that they couldn't even tour behind it. I mean, that thing was. So, yes, you can. Say again, It music subjective. But if you don't understand how brutally bad timed that was, how how just what happened to the Kiss universe when that came out, you need to understand that. You can know you, you, you can you, think you, you, that you, you can think that it's the greatest thing. What am well, I? Say? As,
0: as, as we said, if you didn't live through and and you know Dave touched upon this briefly at the end, you know going from basically love gun to dynasty that was that was a bit of a punch to the gut for all kiss fans it wasn't it wasn't career ending but it was like oh this is a bit of a change but i'm here but then if you weren't there when they went from dynasty to unmasked and unmasked to the elder you again you can sit here and say yes i love the music but you had to and and we're talking in terms of cuz i'm i'm as i'm saying this about unmasked i'm like thinking of alex it's mm-hmm. like yeah, sure how can you not Over, hear out, about out, that record i think outside of the us unmasked did better than it did in the us if you were a kiss fan here in the us going from dynasty to unmasked elder, it was brutal is a nice word to describe what was going on at that point in time. By the time the elder dropped, Kiss's career could just as very well just then rest in peace, you're over. Mm-hmm. I loved you Definitely. guys, but thank you. The fact that they were able to pick it up and move forward gives a lot of credit to them. But the point is, yeah, you can't sit here and tell us that Elder is such a phenomenal album. When I remember getting that album, playing, and, and then we immediately as a family went to visit Cousins down in St. Louis over Thanksgiving. And my Cousins were huge Rush fans. Huge Rush fans. Like, I'm a Kiss fan, they were Rush fans. And I tried to play The Elder for him, and it was just, it was painful. It was painful. They just, no, I don't give a crap if that's the same band that released Rock and Roll Over. That album sucks.
2: And especially at that time, look at the timeline. That was right when, uh, I think it was Tom Sawyer, and uh, that was hitting in 1980, 1981, in it,
0: was, it was rough.
2: Yeah, Spirit of the Radio. That was Kiss was no longer. Put it this way, you didn't even hear like rock and roll night on the radio
0: anymore. No, it no, was, Kiss Kiss was <clears throat> again. Kiss might as well have just been dead, gone, erased. They they had their great run through the seventies, but it's over. Yeah, nobody was playing Kiss on the radio. Nobody was putting them in the news anymore. Uh, you know, and that's was, what makes
2: the timeline argument. That's what makes what they did with Creatures of the Night so incredible. They truly did resurrect their career, granted, in baby steps. Yep. But they did it. Because they were were down here, man.
0: Well, it also, you know, and again, people will say, oh, but Creatures of the Night's the best album they've ever released. I'm like, (laughs) Not at the time. I'm (laughs) I'm not going to question that. But if you were there at the time, Creatures of the Night got the same reception the Elder got, which was zero reception. Zero well, reception. You know
2: what? Slight, that, that's not exactly true. And I'll tell you why, at, at least in Detroit. Um, the, I love it loud. And believe it or not, I remember for like two weeks. Um, uh, I think it was WRAF uh, or maybe WAB. I don't remember which one. But they did a, one of those. You know trash or right you know, and and of all songs saint and sinner like lasted the week as the, like the number one song of 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 that show or that program for that right when the record came out and i also remember hearing the commercial because i, I always thought it was brilliant The beginning of i love it loud would start it would, it's like almost like they were buying 30 seconds of time for the right. song cuz they didn't start talking about the song till you know 30 seconds in and and it was funny because they could now also too go back and look at the timeline you know Van Halen and hard rock was starting to AC/DC yep. was now huge kiss could now go hey we're part of that movement too we're no longer doing, you know, unmasked or they didn't even put it this way. They couldn't even say that because to this day, I've never heard a song uh, from unmasked and I've never heard a song from the elder on local radio. Um, I heard, obviously, I I was made for loving you a million times on the radio. I never heard a song from I, I, I and trust me, that was the weird thing, because especially WABX at the time,
0: they would play Kiss. And and remember, the whole purpose of The Elder was to create music that the critics finally would accept and love mm-hmm. and get behind. They didn't. It shut the door. It shut the door to the point it impacted the reception creatures of the night even got. if They finally had to become part of the MTV generation with you know no makeup anymore to finally become accepted again but again so yes this whole timeline going back to what we we're talking about with the Beatles it's not my fault that you know I was born in 64 and I wasn't getting into music until the early 70s I didn't have older brothers or sisters that were passing down <coughs> albums to me my exposure to music is whatever I was listening to on KQRS or whatever my parents were listening to. That was it. So the Beatles were gone. They were gone. McCartney and Wings were here.
2: When, when Dave was talking, I so, so much was in lockstep with him because prior to kiss, because I was so into roller skating, I BTO was huge. The suite was huge. Alice Cooper was huge, deep purple. That was the stuff that I was, you know, I, I, in 74, I was nine, but I was roller skating and I went every week because I was good at, I started playing hockey at four. um, And by the time I was, you know, seven, eight, nine, I could skate really well. And it was something I did well. And it was something that gave me a lot of joy because a lot of people, because, and again, timeline guys, inline skating and all it didn't start till many years later if you couldn't roller skate if you didn't Um, ice skate yeah it was night and day but again just being a kid who grew up playing hockey at a young age i excelled at that not only did i excel at that i loved being at the at our local roller rinks because they had these big pa systems and again i'm a little kid but i that like went Oh, I love when
0: they had know, DJs, they had yes. live DJs live who DJs. were usually kids who were usually playing the music that was maybe a little, little different than what you might hear on the radio. But yes. it was live music.
2: I, again, I remember clearly hearing schools out and smoke on the water and and I didn't know how to verbalize it yet. But those were the songs that I would ask the DJ to play. And this is before I knew what Kiss was or anything. I just liked the jump, jump, chunk, chunk. You know, I that's what yeah. I liked. And and I again, I didn't know how to verbalize it. I just went, hey, you know, the taken care of, you know, the big chorus, and yeah. all those things. When I look back at it, I'm like, that's why I liked BTO, or that's why I liked Kiss, because they had shouted, shouted. You know what I mean? It was it was in that same vein. It was. A big chorus, like like Dave said so so articulately, that it became an anthem. It was a big, you know what I mean? That Kiss wrote songs like Rock and Roll All Night, shouted out loud. That was again, now that we're older, we're able to verbalize it. But love find you know, finding a love for music, and then again, and it's something I brought up on the show too when I was a kid, other than and then you know, hockey and I love universal monsters so you know toho monsters you know i love dracula and godzilla and i'm like so when you like hear kiss and you're going that looks like that sound you hear the music you
0: like from the roller rink with the visual that goes with the monsters you grew up with you're like yeah, I get all of this. Now. This
2: this is something I like, you know, and yeah. I've been hooked ever since, you know.
0: So, um, home homework for this week. What what what's your favorite album that Dave has been a part of his entire career? Doesn't have to just be Megadeth. Um, I think that's that's an obvious. That's just the obvious one. What it doesn't
2: what but it should be this one?
0: I I didn't get a chance to mention it to Dave, but I went and saw um, Megadeth on the Peace Cells tour at First Avenue in Minnesota, which I'm sure had to have been a thrill for him being a Minnesota native playing legendary First Avenue. I think it was Megadeth, Overkill, there was a... Third band and I can't remember who it was. Metal Church. No, it wouldn't have been. No, it might have been. God, I don't know. I know it was definitely Megadeth and Overkill. Not
2: Testament. I'm trying to think of the bills that I saw. I saw. That's another thing. Like I was trying to, you know, about that today. I'm like, you know, because I went to all all kinds of gigs when you know and there were so many places to play here in detroit it just hit me i'm like god i've seen megadeth and clubs and arenas and you know what i mean i was like god yep. it was it was just weird i will tell you too i mean uh, this is this here i absolutely love this record um uh so far so good so what that my two favorite songs are were liar and hook and mouth i mean I get a chance, you know, crank up Liar and Hook It Mouth, And I that and uh, what is it? Uh, set the World afire. I got again. I love that record too, but uh, yeah, I, I was a really, really that was something I, I did. I, I so hope that Dave does come back because I did want to pick his brain about when Megadeth started like with risk it's that they started to try and get more commercial sounding and and i remember as a fan kind of being disappointed at that and i, I would love to have heard his uh take on his that, take
0: so. on on that and you know every band that's got history like megadeth has something like that in their discography there's a period where bands for whatever reason Experiment. Listen, I mean, you've got the, the absolutely amazing Judas Priest Turbo. Best album Boy, they ever you know recorded. What?
2: It's just getting late.
0: <laughs> I still wish there'd be a, a Turbo <laughs> Crazy Nights tour. Wouldn't that be? Those two albums played in their entirety. Or I'd be That'd saving be, a ton of money. <laughs> uh, you'd, you know you'd be there. You know Look, you would. I, I, I just because of who stores. the two bands are. Yeah, I, You'd I, go. I was front row for uh,
2: for Crazy Nights.
0: Oh my God, oh, okay, that was a terrible tour. Crazy Nights was just a terrible tour. No, they opened we're with s-
2: rock and, or they opened with
0: Love. Open the Love Gun. That that was exciting. That was an exciting change for sure. But I, it was what a seventy-five time. minute set. It was yeah, fast. Yeah. It was. I could tell they just weren't. They were going through the motions.
2: Yeah, I, let's not. I, I went. Uh, I went early, and I, I we got they. They must have played Love Gun, and I'm not exaggerating six, seven times at soundcheck, because I got there early trying to you know weasel in or something. I wasn't able to do it, but we got there really early. I remember sitting up against the wall, like like cool. I'm like, why are they keep playing Love Gun? Because you're a kid, you don't know. right why do they keep playing love gun over and over and over but they did it was you know i was i i know when when
0: when when they opened this when they opened the show with love gun that was a that was an eye-opening moment that was a big change and i i like that it was yeah you've heard love gun every freaking time you've ever gone to see kiss but just because it was in a different spot it sounded different it felt different
2: if I think back, what they play out of the classic teams, maybe th- four, maybe. Because I if, I, if I'm if i going, just look, you're, there's going to be set list gurus are screaming at the screen right now. Look, as I'm just going off a of memory, and I've seen Kiss a couple hundred times, so please spare me. Yeah. Detroit Rock City, obviously Love Gun, Cold Gin, I believe they played.
0: Rock and roll all night. Rock and roll all night. I and and keep in mind, it, was... it it was a it was a shorter set, Short set too. too yeah. It was like seventy seventy five minutes. Plus, it had the fricking, you know, back then in the eighties, you had to fucking sit through a drum solo, you had to sit through a bass solo, you had to sit through guitar solos. You know, uh, yeah, that was not that 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 tour was just yawning festival for me. Um, all right, everybody, that's it. You know, your homework. Um, we could talk real quick, Mark next week is Thanksgiving week. Are we going to record on Wednesday? We can, you <clears throat> do it. We could just do a fun, I'll go grab a box of shit and look at some crap and make it a short episode.
2: Yeah, that wouldn't but you look, um, if I, if, cause I'm probably going to give my guys um, I'm going to let them leave a little bit early um, You know, real quick, I did just Pulled up the set Love Gun, Cold Gin Oh, shout it out loud I'm just going 70s Stuff here Rock and Roll Night Detroit Rock City, five songs Five Yep, Five out of 17 Although, hold on, that's not true <laughs> Track 7 Guitar solo, track 8 Drum solo Yep. track 12 bass solo so yeah it was, yeah. It was a short set it was a short i set. i
0: don't i don't miss that part of the 80s at all i don't need but solos. six
2: was crazy nights mike so you know what so i will tell you this i actually like when the current band plays it I, I i like tommy's solo and look i love bruce bruce is a great guy and he's a friend he's a great guy but i like I like the way Tommy plays it, and I like Eric Singer's drum part a little bit better. I There's a version of Crazy Nights on, is it one of those millennium greatest hit things? Or maybe it's on Kiss. No, I think it's on Kiss 40, the live version of that. I really like it. I, I like it better than the studio version. Probably because like what Tommy says, Tommy's like, I love this. song. I just wish they'd strip some of it because it does sound a lot more raw and
0: uh well yeah i mean yeah you know when they take those listen i love i was made for loving you when they play that live in concert much more than i love the track off of dynasty cuz it's a heavier version it's it a is. it's a it's a more straight ahead heavier version of it you know you can still tell what it is but it's not it's not dynasty's version
2: Well, it's funny because, you matter of fact, anybody that's in the Detroit area, we're doing a uh, Merry Kissmas show, as you guys know. Um, Once or twice a year, I get together with some local friends and we do an all kiss night. And it's always super packed and super fun. And uh, we're doing that on the 16th of December um, here in Detroit. Um, I'll throw up some ads if you're, you know, again, if you're, because there's a lot. Matter of fact, when I was at uh, Metallica show, I a few uh, Three Sides uh, uh, listeners come up to me and we talk Kiss at the Metallica show, which was kind of cool. Um, so <clears throat> anyways, when I play, um, I was because we play I Was Made for Loving You. I, I try to really emphasize the bass drum and really try to make it sound a little bit heavier. Um, you know, and I will tell you, that's a fun song to play. Uh, it's not super technical, but it's just fun. Another reason it's fun is just watching the people in the crowd. They really, yep. they, they know really it. react to that. You no, know, they really do, and that's as a drummer, it's fun to to watch that, like everybody moving to 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 the bass drum. It's just it's just fun. It's cool. So.
0: all right everybody we will so we'll see you next week we'll record uh thanksgiving week so you have an episode the week after thanksgiving um we'll just make it i don't know tommy shows up i don't know what tommy ended up today talking about you you and tommy can talk about the shows uh you guys went to on the tour out here um and uh i'll find a box of kiss crap from storage and we'll open that up and see what other stuff I find and that's it three sides of the coin
1: we're out of here you have something to say leave a voicemail or send us a text message call 320-515 voices for three sides of the coin provided by LarryDavisVoice.com and by JessicaMarsVoice.com that's Mars with a Z